Welcome to the Harvest House Church Sermon of the Week podcast. Our vision is to empower each person to know God, experience freedom, and discover their purpose to make a difference. Enjoy the message from this past Sunday. Wow, that was fantastic. Good morning. Good morning. It's so good to be together and to worship the Lord. Man, welcome back to some of our students starting to come back. Consider yourself completely hugged in Jesus' name. I miss y'all beyond belief. So good to have you back. Uh, I have got a lot of information to go through in a very short time to do it. I'm going to jump right in. So, Father, bless your, your word today. Open our minds as we talk about our minds to receive all that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to begin a new series called the Divine Health Series. And what this series is uh, designed to do is to help you through these very, very trying times. And, um, you know, COVID-19 has turned our world completely upside down. And I want to talk about that. It's having incredible impacts, especially on our, our minds, the psychology aspects of our health. So this scripture is our theme scripture. It says this, now may God of peace make you holy in every way and may your whole spirit talking about our our spiritual health, our soul, which is talking about our mental health, and our body be kept blameless. That's the physical health. So throughout this series, we're going to look at every aspect of this, spiritual health, physical health, you know, looking at things about how we eat, how we, you know, uh, supplements we take, uh, just, in other words, being as healthy as we possibly can as we navigate these days. So that's out of 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. So today, I want to give you an introduction as we discuss our mental health, or as we a lot of the time refer to it as our thought life, because here's the deal, how you think completely impacts your life. What's going on up here is really what what impacts your life. So I'm going to show you a few statistics. You're probably familiar with a lot of these. When we look at the COVID-19 situation statistics, what's going on out there, one-third of of people who have been surveyed are dealing with what we're now terming severe anxiety. Okay, so we would all probably agree with that for sure. 65% of Americans are worried about personally contracting the virus. And then the next one, a staggering 46%, staggering, are worried about, or very worried, fairly worried about dying from COVID-19. So the bottom line we are terrified right now. We are, as a culture, uh, as you come back and integrate back in, people are really afraid of what is currently going on. Mass fear of COVID-19 has, has termed this new phrase, chronophobia, and it seems we have a lot of chronophobia. So I want to say, I, I can't really, I don't have time to qualify this, but we know this is a real disease with real people getting real sick. I'm not minimizing the disease today. Everybody got that? We know it's a real problem. We, we know that. We've talked about it here quite a bit. But Jesus said this. Jesus warned that in the last days, the world would experience trauma, disasters, famines, pestilence. You'll see the rise in earthquakes. And I don't know where you were around eight o'clock today. (laughs) But boy, in Sparta, North Carolina, 5.1 on the Richter scale. So man, if we're not in the last days, I believe we're close. So there you go. So in Luke 21 and verse 26, it says this, it says that Jesus says that people will even be terrified 
when they see what is coming upon the earth, the anticipation of what might be coming on the earth. So uh, right now they say the United States is the most anxious country in all the world, and yet we have so many things, you know, so much technology. Welcome to our online community. It's just we're so glad you're here joining us, you know, but when you really boil it down and you look at the research and the statistics, I'm going to give you a little bit of a warning. I'm going to geek out a little bit with some science and health today, okay? I love doing this. So uh, when you really look at it, they say that there's one reason why we are so anxious as a culture, and it's because of the word change. Too much change, too quick in the last 30 to 40 years has created all this anxiety uh, depression, which, you know, is obviously a mental illness. So I want to talk to you about that. Max Lucado, y'all remember Max Lucado, the, the author? He said that the land of the stars and strife have really turned into the country of the stress and strife. I mean, that's the truth right there. The land of the stars and stripes has turned into the stress and strife, and it's so true. So what is the answer? How are we to navigate this? Well, I thought Aaron did a great job teaching us last week on that amazing concept of abiding. We really, in this day, please hear me, we need to abide. We need to abide with Jesus. We need to abide with one another. This is not the time to isolate, you know. I mean, yes, if you're high risk, you know many of you are high risk and have health issues. Yes, I'm, I am, you know, I'm saying, yeah, it'd be better at this time, you know, for not to come. If you're super high risk, we have other ways to connect, but you can still connect. Everybody get that and abide with one another, abide with Jesus. So how are we to abide in what I'm calling kingdom thinking in the midst of this COVID-19? I want to show you three ways, and I'm going to be talking about this in depth. The staff and the team are going to work hard on this uh, Divine Health Series to help you how do we get through all this change and all this anxiety? Does the Bible have any answers? I'm going to give you three ways today. So number one, we need to understand the thought process. Understand the thought process. The human brain is 3.3 pounds it weighs. It's 86 billion nerve cells, up to a trillion neurons. They call those things axons and dendrites. dendrites. This is all like geeking out in science, so I'll move on. Um, but, you know, we used to think that our thought process was just very scattered. Your, your mind would just fire different thoughts at different times. Now, we know through a science through science and a, a new science called neuroplasticity, through looking at it, we understand now that your thoughts travel on neurological networks, okay? So I want to show you just a, a picture. I love this kind of stuff. This is actually um, doing imaging of some of your thoughts, networks. This comes from the human connectome. You see the source there, humanconnectomeproject.org. And you can go and look, and this is like amazing pictures, but it shows how our thoughts run on these neurological networks. It's not like a plate of spaghetti where it's just all jam jumbled up and it's just randomly firing. Okay, this is super important. And I taught about this pretty in depth a year or two ago, but I want to give you a new wrinkle on it today. What is neuroplasticity? Neuroplasticity is just the way the, that the muscle builds up and what happens is with repetition of a thought or an emotion, you will reinforce a neurological pathway and each new thought 
You create, if you will, uh, 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 strengthen those neurological pathways. The best way I like to describe it is this. If you have a thought or an emotion in your mind, it's like walking through the woods. It's like walking through a path. Have that thought again, you've built a road. Have that thought again and again, you've built a highway. Now, this is quite interesting when we look at it from a physiological point of view. What it's saying is that these thoughts, even if they're negative thoughts, are strengthened the more you use it. But if you identify the negative thought, you can begin to reconstruct that negative thought. But it takes a lot of intentionality. Now, what I'm finding is, thank God, we are very focused as a culture on physical, you know, staying in shape, eating right, eating organic, yes, uh, supplements, I'm all in favor of all that. But what are we doing for our mental health? I think we have to have a whole lot more intentionality in the days that we live. So um, I have been saying this for about 20 years in our counseling. Where do thoughts come from? Well, thoughts come, as you see this, this little graphic, beliefs produce thoughts that produce emotions that produce behaviors. So where do your thoughts come from? Your thoughts come from a belief. You are a product of your belief, what you believe about yourself, what you believe about others, what you believe about God. That is the source from which your thoughts come from. And that brings us to number two. So the first one was just like, understand the thought process. Here's number two. Number two is take thoughts captive by identifying what I'm terming today as cognitive distortion. The word cognitive just means to think. Okay, I want to introduce you to a new therapy technique. Actually, it's been on the, it's been here for about 20 years. But this is the therapy technique that they use to treat anxiety, depression, and the like. And so it's almost like we all need some therapy with what's been happening, you know. So I want to give you that. And what we call this is cognitive behavioral therapy. Cognitive behavioral therapy. This is what therapists are using. It's kind of the go-to method of therapy right now. What is cognitive behavioral therapy? Here it is. Cognitive behavioral therapy is based on the idea of how we think, cognition, and how we feel, an emotion, and how we act, behavior, is so interconnected. And what we know about this, it was produced by, uh, 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 introduced and, and created by a, a psychiatrist by the name of Aaron Beck in Pennsylvania University. You can go look him up on Google, see some of his stuff. It's pretty good. He noticed that patients tended to get themselves caught in what's called a feedback loop. So if you have a thought and you keep having that thought, it builds the neurological pathway and you keep having it, it can turn into some bad behavior, bad consequences. So what he began to introduce is we must begin to identify what is called cognitive distortions and help the patient understand that way of thinking is very toxic and then give them new ways to think. Now here's the good news. The Bible's been saying this for thousands and thousands of years. They're just tapping into what God has been saying all along about how to think in a way that is healthy. So I want to really talk to you today about cognitive distortions. I'm going to give you five quickly, uh, five cognitive distortions. There are 15. You can look up Aaron Beck cognitive distortions to get the, the other 15. If you're interested, just Google that online and uh, hope you can just get a lot out of this. So 
Cognitive distortions are basically at the core of how we think. And if you can begin to identify them, identify them as that's a toxic way to think, you can then put on new thoughts and we'll talk about how to do that. So let me give you your, the first one. Cognitive distortion. Uh, I wanted just to pick out the five that seem to be ones we're dealing with in 2020 at, at this time in August, that, at least that I thought. The first one is a, is a cognitive distortion called catastrophizing. Catastrophizing. This is focusing on the worst possible outcome and yet seeing it as most likely. I want to let you know as a culture, we are stuck in catastrophizing. What do I mean by this? Like you see something on the news like that happened to a child, a tragedy, and it's terrible. We immediately take that, buy into it, create a fear. Oh, my, this could happen to my kid. And then we're like trying to make sure it doesn't happen even though the chances of it happening are so low. Like, for example, if a plane crashes, oh my God, I'm terrified of getting on planes, you know? It's like we catastrophize. So when a person engages in catastrophizing, they're expecting the disaster that they just heard about to hit them, and they go over it in your head. Now, this is especially, we see this in parenting and with the whole helicopter parenting thing, you know, like somebody over and so-and-so, you know, you see what I'm saying? Y'all nod so I can move on. Y'all are awesome. All right. So, so let me just give you an example of this. And I've already talked about, we believe COVID is a real disease, real people getting real sick, but some COVID realities here. They, I gave you a statistic at the beginning of this that says 46% of Americans are worried, are very worried about dying from COVID. Yet when you look at what's called the infection fatality rate, which is extremely difficult to get because you're looking at asymptomatic people, you're looking at people who got tested or who didn't get tested. There's some four studies you just came out. They're very, very good. You can go and look at them. Uh, but what they're saying, what is the infection fatality rate for COVID? Okay, for the entire population, 0.6% of people who get this disease will die. Now, if you have a health problem or if you're elderly, it's higher. They're, they're concerned. And, and all of these are terrible. Y'all understand. They're very tragic. But they say that the infection fatality rate is 5.6%. 5.6% if you're over the age of 65. Now, if you're a student here today, are you ready for this? Here's the, here it is. If you're a student today, your chances of dying from what the information I have here, 0.0032% of dying from this. Okay, so again, real, it, this is a real disease, really a problem. I'm not minimizing that, so don't email me about all this. You know, I, I know. But just listen, we are catastrophizing this and the news is pushing it and people are pushing it. We're all, and, and listen, this is creating fear and a panic to come upon our culture. And I'm really concerned that the fear is, and all of the depression and the anxiety is going to cause greater problems than the virus. Amen. Let's go to our next one, dichotomous thinking. Dichotomous thinking. Dichotomous thinking is this, viewing events or people in an all or nothing terms. Okay, what does this mean? It means that you only see good or you only see bad. You only see, you don't see what's in the middle. It's all, you know, in other words, it's either or. There's no shades of gray. 
This is happening in our culture in unprecedented ways. Now, grant you, these cognitive distortions were developed about 20 years ago, but boy, are they applicable today. So I have talked and talked and talked about racial injustice. You know we have addressed racial injustice. We have a real problem, a real wound. We must do something about it. And this church is, by the way. We have addressed it, addressed it, and addressed it. But listen, with what's going on with the defund the police, it is dichotomous thinking. Do we have some police that are, and have some problems? Yes, I'm not negating that. But we can't take every policeman and woman and say that they're evil and they're bad. That's dichotomy thinking. It's toxic. It's going to create anxiety. Okay, let's move on. Uh, here's another one. I've got to move quickly. Overgeneralization. It's a way of thinking where you apply one experience to all experiences, including those in the future. So what happens with this? Maybe you have a bad breakup or, you know, you're in a relationship and you have a bad breakup or you start, tried to start a business and it didn't work or, you know, you got sick or and what happens with this kind of thinking, it happened to me once, it's going to happen to me again and you buy into these lies and it really creates anxiety in your life. Uh, this next one, emotional reasoning. This is one that's just overwhelming the next generation. It says, if I feel this way, then it must be true. Emotions, therefore, interpret reality. We know that's not true, right? We know that's not true. Just because you feel something, you don't negate the feeling, but it doesn't mean it's how it is. And our whole culture is bought into this stuff. It really has. Okay, let's see what we have next. We have one more. This one's called negative filtering. This is one that I think is the most prevalent. Um, if you look in the research and you look up the 15, you'll, you'll see it. Notice, you'll notice it's tagged as filtering. Many people want to call it negative filtering because what happens in this one, you almost exclusively focus on the negative and you never look at the positives. Do you know right now in COVID, we're seeing some very good numbers. You're not hearing about it. We're beginning to see cases drop. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. But in, in this negative filtering, all of that's gone and you just focus on what's wrong. And I mean, we're seeing some incredible things. Thank you, Jesus. So um, a person who engages in filtering then takes the negative details and we magnify them. Okay, this again is a very destructive way to think. Now, as you look at these distortions, it's easy to see how people who habitually fall into these distortions are going to develop schemas that develop around what we call maladaptive core beliefs, and it's going to create anxiety and depression and, and all the like. It's going to exasperate these things. So I think everyone, especially me, does these from time to time, but wouldn't our relationships be better if we would begin to identify those and then go, wait, there's a different way to think. I don't have to think like this. I really believe that. Now, what is it that fuels this stuff? Fear fuels it, but there's another thing that fuels it. It's called the media. They make a living off this. That's why I'm saying de-plug, get out of... I mean, is there anything more gross than 24-hour news? It's disgusting. Who, who wants to be in that? Be careful what you fill with your mind, you know, put in your mind. We've got we to gotta be more intentional with our thought life. We're, we're getting sick mentally. We are. We really are. We have to, like, wait a minute. 
All right, so let's get into the, some of the solutions here. What is the solutions? Well, here's a scripture for you. Second Chronicles, uh, Corinthians rather, 10, 4, and 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And look at this. We don't just take some thoughts captive. We take every thought captive and we bring that into the obedience of Christ. Amen. That's health. That's how we have health. So here's our final point in kingdom thinking. Number three, we need to replace the cognitive distortions by abiding, there's that word, in truth realities. Because the truth will set you free. Yes. Set you free. Right, you do this by changing your perceptions to view. Listen carefully, everybody. I'm going to go fast here. But view, view life from a different dimension. Set your minds on things above, not the earthly things. Okay, here's the point. Whatever you focus on, guess what? You're going to enlarge. You're going to empower. The more you stare at it, the bigger it grows. We live in what's called a problem-centric culture. We navigate as a culture life through finding problems, identifying the problems, and discussing them. But in the kingdom of God, we're not supposed to be bought into that. We are in a promise-centric culture. So here's how it works. In the kingdom, we're meant to be, not meant to be problem-centric, but promises, what God says about a situation. Okay, and I, I, I just, I love this part. In the kingdom of God, we convert problems into possibilities because all things are possible to he or she who believes. Listen carefully online in here. You were designed for days like this. You were designed to speak a language that no one else will be speaking. You were designed to think in a kingdom way, in a way that most people are not thinking. Whenever there were epidemics in church history or any kind of disease or pandemics, that's when the church began to shine. That's when we had our best moments. We were, let me say it again, we were made for times like this. Do we have a real disease? Yes. Real problem, real people getting real sick, but we got a real God who is really wanting to empower his people to bring hope to a world who is looking for some answers. But we can't get those answers if we're just going to hunker down and go, oh my God, we're all going to die. Let's eat worms and die, y'all. We're not going to, it's not going to affect the world. You were made for such a time as this. Now I'm preaching about 100% better than y'all are responding right now. Okay, so thank you for that. All right. It's just, I'm just messing, taking a breather. Okay. Uh, Romans 12, 2 says this, don't copy the behavior or customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I want to begin to identify those cognitive distortions. I want to begin to say, wait, 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 wait. That's not true. My God is bigger than all this. My God is bigger than all this. I love that. See, I, I, I love this. I love this. Um, 
And, and you may think, well, where's some scriptural examples? We have Caleb. You remember Joshua and Caleb? They sent them out to see the 12 spies. Ten saw the giants. It's all too big. Two saw something and said, we can certainly take the land. You remember Jesus? They brought him all the multitudes of people. And he, you know, they said, oh, Jesus, send them away. He goes, we don't need to send them away. Let's give them something to eat. You remember David. Man, David's going to go fight Goliath, this big giant. Everybody's running away. David goes, God's going to give me, give me you today. I'm going to defeat you today. What did they see? Well, here's the thing. It's what they believed. You are a product of your beliefs. What do you believe about God? What do you believe about your brother and sister? What do you believe about the church? What do you believe about our world? What do you... That's going to determine how you think. We need to become a whole lot more intentional and take certain thoughts and bring them into the obedience of Christ. Now, here's the deal. In trials, you will abide in something. You're created for it. You will abide in either fear, worry, or unbelief, or you will abide in Jesus, John chapter 15. You will abide in his promises. I'm not negate. I'm a realist. I'm not negating. We got a real thing going on in America, but we got a real God who put us on the earth for such a time as this. That's, that's the thing. And here's the deal. If you've got a problem in your life and you can't get through it, it's because God wants to elevate you over it. He's bringing you and I to another level of faith. Because the days that we live, famine, pestilence, earthquake, culture breaking down, God's people have got to have faith to be able to go through this and lead a culture to Him. That's you and I. Let's stand, everybody. Let's stand. Thank you all. Y'all are amazing. Thank you. Jesus, we love you and we give you our thoughts and our minds right now. Help us to think like you think. You are beautiful. Forgive us, God, right now. For, Lord, we know it's, it's, it's a tough, really bad situation we deal with. But we want to magnify God. We want to see you. And as we sang about, Lord, your returning love is returning all that we lost. We're so glad for we're on the earth for such a time as this. If you're here today and you need to give Jesus lordship your life, I want to just ask you to please stay and come up and just we'll have people praying at the front. Or if you just need prayer to get over fear or just anxiety, just you'd like to just be able to pray with talk with someone, we'll be right up here. So listen, God bless you guys. We love you. Everybody just stay where you are and the ushers will come and release you so we'll keep social distance. God bless you guys. Make it a great day. Amen. God bless y'all. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To find out more about our ministry, visit hhcboone.org or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Harvest House Church Boone.